0: You're listening to Notes from Norwich. Welcome to episode 29 of Notes from Norwich. All three of us are back this week, and we are talking this week about chapters 53 and 54 of Julian's Revelations of Divine Love. My name's Chris. I'm one of the three hosts here, one of the three discussion partners. And uh, I'm here, as I was last week, with Marguerite. How are you, Marguerite?
1: Very well. Thank you, Chris.
0: Excellent. And returning Hello. from his great sabbatical is <laughs> Jan. How are you? Uh, I'm doing okay.
2: We're, uh, my husband and I are both recovering from COVID. So that's why I was yeah. absent last time. But it's uh, mild cases,
0: thank God. So it's just a slow road of recovery. Mm. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. So you don't, I, I'm assuming you do not recommend getting COVID? Zero, zero out of 10 do not well, recommend. <laughs> okay. Well, there you have it, the notes from Norts official anti-endorsement of the COVID virus. Well, anyway, let's not joke about that anymore. Let's there's there's a lot to to tackle. We are here we're recording this uh in the first week of Lent. It's Monday in the first full week of Lent. Um and that always changes our perspectives a little bit. Mhm. Um so I wonder how that will show up in our reading of chapters 53 and 54. Where where shall we start?
1: Well, I think that both chapters in an overall sense are about Julian's theology and her anthropology. She talks about what God's like and what humankind are like. Um this seems to me to flow from the uh the earlier chapter 51 of the the exemplum of the the lord and the servant and the servant's falling and so she she feels like she needs to go deeper um into that and into what it means so without referencing that story without referencing that narrative at all she does talk a lot about what humanity is in relation to God and what God is in relation to humanity and that seems to be the main overall arching um, overarching thing in the in the chapters
2: it seems like what part of what she's doing in these chapters is unpacking some of the background behind why God doesn't assign fault so she's Sketching, sketching a clearer picture of our relationship with God. Import in, in to say, that, okay, I've said God never assigns fault to us. Let's dig one more layer beneath that and see how the nature of our relationship with God makes that possible or makes that true. Um, and it's a lot of language of this wanting, this knitting together, something that I found really striking um, it the, it's like the second paragraph of chapter 53. Um, in this showing, I saw and understood full certainly that in every soul that shall be saved is a divine will that never consents to sin, nor ever will. This will is so good that it can never will evil, but evermore continually it wills good and does good in the sight of God. That's a, a very optimistic, positive anthropology. It's um, a
1: big statement. Yeah, a huge statement. I, I, I hardly know anybody. Maybe somebody that I'm looking at right now, but I hardly know anybody that would agree with that. <laughs> I agree with it, of course. But
2: I agree with it. I, but it's it's bold, um, and it's. Rooted in this kind of understanding, I think, where she sees the core of human nature located. Um, there, we are, we are so knit to God that in human nature is guarded an essence that ne- can never be nor should be parted from Him. So that this, this idea of, uh, of this aspect of our will that never can will evil, I think flows from this idea that we are so knit to Christ that nothing can separate us. Um, and so at some level, like, we will always be tied to god
1: um, yes and that's that's where it comes from that we have this little nubbin of will in ourselves that will never consent to sin so that sin i'm thinking to julian always feels foreign it always feels like you know your shoes on the wrong foot or something it just it feels it feels off um Later on, she says, <clears throat> by the endless intention and consent of the full agreement of all the Trinity, the midperson, meaning Jesus, of course, wished to be ground and head of this fair human nature, out of whom we are all come in whom we are all enclosed into whom we shall all go. So that, Jesus intentionally, it, it was his intention to incarnate in order to make us one with God. Yeah. So.
0: And it feels bold. It feels very bold to come right out and say that there is this a divine will, a portion of a, a divine will that is nestled within each of us. Or in every soul that shall be saved, which is always the term she uses, I think, to couch, to, to bracket, to, mm-hmm. um, hedge the, the matter of, uh, of who, uh, how, how many are kept or uh, swept up in that number, um, But so it feels bold to have this, this claim that there is some divine, some portion of the divine will or some aspect of the divine will that exists in us all that despite what we get up to, that there's some part of us that is always striving and motivated towards both, both, uh, hungering for God and, and being driven forward by God at the same time but it's it it's also just kind of an extension of some of the things that St Paul says about Christ no longer you know I no longer live but Christ lives within me and we don't do not know how to pray except that the holy spirit lives in us praying when we don't know the words for it and our bodies are temples of the holy spirit So it feels like we keep on losing it because we humans can be very hard on ourselves. We'd be really hard on each other, but, um, but we keep wanting to come up with reasons why humans are despicable, Mm -hmm. (laughs) cancel culture, some aspects of the Protestant Reformation, certainly plenty within the Christian tradition all the way through. Um, but it's kind of it's also there's always been this strain there that like where where is god right now well everywhere but also within you like you're not why are you, why do you think you're so special that you're the one spot in the universe that is beyond god's reach but you know we we think that we're kind of in our little capsules <laughs> and that that it's it's god is only going to get to us if we open the door and let god in no 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 <laughs> Um, And, of course, because I have a big uh, Teresa of Avila bent, I have to mention that this sounds very similar to some of the things she says about the interior castle and the fact that God is within us and we have to go on the journey into ourselves because we don't understand ourselves. We We don't let God in. We have to travel into ourselves to find God who's been there all along. Um.
2: And this is like the the whole narrative. Like this, like Marguerite, you said, like the incarnation is for this purpose. She she says all this through his own goodwill in his endless foreseeing purpose. Like this is the whole point for mm-hmm. Julian. Is <laughs> this revelation that we're we are one? to to christ as the the ground and head of our humanity um
1: yeah those, it, three, okay, go, no, go ahead. yeah those three words are very strong for me endless foreseeing purpose you know i mean she is hardly a chapter in the revelations that she doesn't talk about the endlessness of God. God loved us from without beginning and without end. I mean, she throws that in all the time. And I think that that is just a very, very central piece of her thinking, this eternity of God. And of course we humans can't really, and we can say the word of course, but we can't really, we can't really grasp it, but she keeps repeating it and repeating it because at some level, at some level, I think that we can understand it. Maybe it's that little nubbin of, of God within us, that we can understand that eternity is a thing and that God is it, and and we as humans, as creatures, are part of it with God. So and of course the foreseeing is very big with Julian. You know, God doesn't react. God doesn't make plans. God doesn't um, change his mind about this, that, or the other thing. And um, and purpose, that, that God always has a reason, that there's like an underlying reason. I mean, we all talk about, you know, God's plan, and that's almost a cliche, but it's, you know, I think for Julian it's real and it, a, a lot hangs, a lot of what she believes hangs on those three words.
2: Yeah, she stretches the love in both directions endlessly. God never started to love mankind, for just as mankind shall be in endless bliss, fulfilling the joy of God as regards his works. Just so the same mankind has been in the foresight of God, known and loved from without beginning in his rightful intention. Like spreading this, sp- spreading the canvas wide. um, Showing this endless scope of love.
1: It's very so, comforting.
0: So this, um, this, uh, it, it is possible here to lean in this direction that came up in, in places in the early church, and it shows up in kind of some of the more new agey versions of Christianity that are around today, where because our souls are um, indelibly linked to God, the problem is that we have to just kind of wake up our consciousness and discover it. Um, and so that kind of manifested as a kind of Gnosticism in the early church. The problem is about um, aw- awareness and, and consciousness and seeing things from the right perspective rather than there being some more objective issue. Um, and it shows up, I think in some, maybe I'm being unfair, but some, some writers that are around today that seem to lean in that direction that, you know, you are already, um, kind of, you're, you are already enfolded in this field of love. And the only thing you have to do is uh, start realizing it. And then everything will fall into place. Um, and that's always a tendency. Uh, it's always, I think I, th- that can be a tendency because it sounds so satisfying. There's no hard work involved. Um, if all you have to do is kind of change your perspective. Um, but I think the only way you can really do that is to deny the reality of some of the real suffering that's out there. And Julian says, like, it's it's almost like her answer to that objection, even as it comes up, midway through page 140 in the Orange book, notwithstanding this rightful knitting, and this eternal wanting, yes, we've already established, we're knit together, nothing you can do about it. But still yet the redemption and buying back of mankind is necessary and beneficial in every instance. And that is also part of this ongoing demonstration of love. So the cross isn't just a, a, a theatrical piece that testifies some, something about Man. love um, or worse. The cross is not, you know, just an irre- irrelevancy because what really matters is that Jesus said something about love that feels novel. But the cross is part of this destruction of all the barriers that keep that divine will within us. Um, it's restricted. It's within us, but it is not all of us. Like our, w- my will certainly is not yet entirely divine will. There's some portion of that that's in me, but I don't want to overestimate my uh, my divinity <laughs> just because some portion of divinity uh, is within me. Um, you know, if you've got a glass of water with a tiny speck of gold in it, you do not have a gold bar. You have a glass of water with a tiny speck of gold in it. Um, that's my – I don't know where that metaphor came from, <laughs> but um, – yeah, so th- where's the cross in all this is one of those questions that I always bring to really any theology, any anthropology.
2: I think um here again we see uh her trying to hold these two frames of perspective together. Like what what it on the ground looks like, what the work of holy church is. And then what this timeless perspective is, um, look, looking into reality and kind of seeing the whole of it. Um, we talked about this in the chapters around sin, that like the sacrament of reconciliation is still central for the, for the working out of the church and identifying sin. Um, while at the same time from this absolute frame of reference um the, the 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 fundamental nature of sin in the grand scheme of things looks very different and and here i think there's a there's a continuation of that theme that redemption and buying back of mankind is is, is necessary um in 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 our incarnate frame of reference, like this is the, the, the economy of salvation as it plays out. Um, but then there's this other frame of reference where where you see that we're eternally one. And so it's it's not... I think that's how she kind of steers clear of saying it's just awareness. You just have to wake up and see um she's affirming that we are eternally one in an eternal in a in a grand sense while at the same time saying like yeah in the in the day-to-day in the in the linear time that is for our benefit um this unfolds through a process of redemption and buying back and that's where the cross comes in i think
1: yeah i agree um I don't think Julian would ever say that we just need to wake up and be aware that, that God is within us. I think that her purpose in these all these all this writing has been to communicate what was shown to her. She doesn't give advice very much in these in these writings. Um I think if, he, if she were to have been pressed, which she wasn't, she would say that the knowledge of this is a gift from God, that it's not something that you can sit down and decide, I'm going to, you know, follow this uh, instruction set of instructions and figure out that God is within me. And, you know, if I do this for 20 days in a row, then I'll be there. You know, I mean, i And that's, that also sounds very Gnostic to me, but, but understanding, I mean, we can know it, we can know it because, well, we can know it because God told Julian and Julian is telling us. So in that sense, we can know it. We can know it because, um, because Paul said it, we can know it from all these sources, but really deeply knowing it is, is a gift from God. It's a, it's a grace. And we can wait for it, and we can believe that it'll come to us, and we can, you know, go to church on Sunday and say our prayers and do everything that we're supposed to do. But still, it's a matter of when God decides to make this plain to us or make this fully plain to us. So.
2: She points to that at the end of chapter chapter 54 in her discussion of faith um and i don't I don't want to skip ahead yet but um that it, it's a gift and the and the love that we have for god is a gift like all of this comes from god um our love for god is created by the natural essential goodness of the holy spirit and that's how our soul is made by god and at the same time knit to god so even even the shift in perception is not something we
0: accomplish so provocative sunday school question is there any love in existence that it is not, that is not god godly of a divine origin or is all love god And
2: i all love god you mean like
0: well we say it says god. in scripture right that god is love is the corollary is the reverse also true is any any expression manifestation feeling experience uh, movement of love anywhere in existence is that god does it does all love come ultimately from from god
1: well, let me let me ask it this way. You take an atheist, okay? Somebody who doesn't believe in God is completely secular, has no religion whatsoever. But this atheist loves his wife, um, loves tulips, loves loves his neighbor's children, loves the homeless. Where's that love coming from?
0: I would say from God.
1: Well, I it would doesn't
0: say- matter whether the atheist believes in it or not.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We're God gonna is get- like over and above atheism for crying out loud.
0: Yeah. The atheist would probably say, well, it's it, it doesn't come from God, is what an atheist would say. Well, of
1: course, of course. And that's fine. I mean, let them.
0: It's from God. Um,
2: I wouldn't want to say it is God. Because that gets into the like saying God is love is not saying God equals love.
1: Correct. Yeah.
2: It's not. It's not a. It's not a, an, a statement of identity. It's. It ascribes
0: like this this attribute. But what if it is a statement of identity? That
2: that the that love is the same thing as God.
0: That if our love of God, the love that we experience of God is the Holy Spirit within us, loving God through us. And if one of those oft-cited definitions of what the – is it? Augustine, right? That the Trinity is the lover, the beloved, and the love that flows between them. And if, I mean, if everything in creation is in some sense a creation of God and um, from the Orthodox perspective sustained and held, held aloft, held in place by the energies, the ongoing energies of God, then is is it possible that that love wherever you see it is is that 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 is God? That we sense love, we direct it towards maybe the wrong things sometimes. But then is that really love?
2: I'm going to say it is the action of God. It okay. is not God.
0: Why draw that line? to maintain
2: the ontological gap between creator and created Mm -hmm. because what we're seeing in the world that's those are created things Mm -hmm. we and and so i'm reading a lot of gregory of nazanzas yeah so we we can we can see god's effects in the world see god's activities in the world Mm -hmm. we should not mistake that for seeing god and that's that is a presumption to, yeah, to say it, that, it's like, this is all very presumptuous. <laughs> well, no, no <laughs> yeah. I mean, Gregory means that in the sense that, like, this is an impious, presumptuous statement to mm. say that what I see is God. Um, and I, so I think all love is of God, like, God is the ground of all love, and that, that's what I think the statement, God is love. Mm -hmm. Like, kind of breaks down to that God is the ground of everything that could be construed as love, rightly. That does not mean that everything that we see as love is God, or even that
0: any of it is. So, Julian goes on about this knitting and this wanting. Mm -hmm. Do you think she cares that much about the ontological gap between creator and created? Or does she want us to see that that gap is not as big as we think it is? She, uh, hang on, she (laughs) talks about this. I'm picking on you, Jan, because you're you're a seminarian and you're loving to answer these questions. (laughs) Forgive me. But, you know, it's worth, it's always worth wondering. this is
2: page 143. This is in chapter 54. I saw no difference between God and our essence, but just as if it were all God. And yet, my understanding accepted that our essence is in God. That is to say that God is God, and our essence is a creation of God. Mm-hmm. She is very careful to maintain careful. this ontological mm-hmm. gap. What she's speaking to is the depth of the union which mm-hmm. Christ has brought us into God, with God. Um, yeah. but she, is, she is not collapsing that an ontological gap. God is God. We are not. And what we see in the world, that's not God. That's the
0: work of God. So the things that I love, God, sometimes, insufficiently, Um, my favorite foods, my spouse, my family members, my friends, certain activities and events. You could argue endlessly about what actual love is, as opposed to, you know, how many languages have different words for love, Um and English is pretty um, – has a great poverty when it comes to its ability to express love. But if my love of God is the Holy Spirit within me, loving back towards God and taking me along for the ride, why is it a different kind of love when I love pizza? Or no, that's that's a, a shallow comparison. When I love a beautiful piece of music and I feel that movement in my soul, is that is that coming from me? Or is that the Holy Spirit also resonating because the Holy Spirit is motivating all the love that exists? It's the action of the Holy Spirit. It is not
2: the Holy Spirit itself. All love is the action of the Holy Spirit, not the action, not the Holy Spirit itself. Our prayer is in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not identical with our prayer. Mm -hmm. It, we, we perceive the Holy Spirit at work in us, leading us to prayer. and All i right. think this this is this is like a this is a, a fundamental like divide between ju- what julian's saying mm-hmm. and this kind of new age gnostic like we are god we just need to wake up to it um her her language about like our essence being in god this is this is not meant to um deify us we're we're not gods mm-hmm. it's divinization yeah we are brought into god yeah um and i think that that distinction only holds up if you maintain this gap between creator and created like she does which is which is why you need you need to read Julian carefully otherwise she can get appropriated into a bumper sticker that makes it sound mm-hmm. like she came out of a crystal shop in a in a hippie oh, yeah. part of town um <laughs> that this this union this union is so profound precisely because we're not God, yes,
0: exactly, yeah, and so the the experience of of love showing up in our lives feels so often surprising. I mean, how many people, maybe it's been true for you, but you certainly know people like that who absolutely were not looking for a partner. They weren't looking to get into a relationship. And then out of the blue, out of the blue, it, it happens and it is powerful. Um All those conversion experiences that people talk about with God, where there's this sudden surprising, uh, so surprising that it feels like whatever is happening comes from outside, and almost like you're invaded by this new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm just I don't, and I, and I'm gonna meditate on it over the next week. And um, but what I'm, what I'm not wondering, and I'm, I may reject it entirely in a week. What I'm not thinking is that my love is inevitably God. What I'm wondering is if without the Holy Spirit in me, I don't, there's no love happening here. That I'm just like, like other meaty creatures. I'm just going about my business, you know, um, eating, defending myself, sleeping, trying to stay warm, uh, reproducing, whatever animals do. Um, but that capacity for love is, is, is not part of the creation. It is, it is an, an infusion of the Holy Spirit within me, but it's not coming from me. It's generated. I mean, it's, it's like the Holy Spirit moves into me and says, together we are going to love this thing and that thing and God and, and the rest. But that love is not a capability that, that derives purely from the creation. So, and explicitly not to, To call myself divine, but to call myself a vessel of of the the divine thing that is love—the whole capacity of love that created the universe—but that ultimately is entirely a divine a divine thing. I think I'm going to be burned as a as a heritage. That
2: starts to discount
0: the our role in it.
2: That uh, Julian's talking mm. about like we we love him we love god um and i, I she's mm. not meaning to suggest that we're like a a a like a sock puppet that the holy spirit <laughs> is filling and making to love god she she sees the love comes out of the holy spirit's action but it also comes from us um mm. and the, the cre- and I think the act of creation for Julian is right. spirit-filled. So I, I, I'm not sure that she would go with this distinction between what is of creation and what is the action of the Holy Spirit.
1: She goes back mm-hmm. to creation a lot in, in yeah. all in all her writing. She, you know, she, that's her that's her reference point.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I it's it's always been my reference point too, you know, trying to figure out what it means that creation happened, what it means that God created the world. And and just like in the last, I don't know, couple of weeks, probably because of reading the conferences, Of Cassian um I realize that I don't understand love at all and so you know I I kind of have to start all over from the beginning and and just and just figure out what that means but I think it is I think it is tied with creation and Julian does refer to creation all the time She talks about um, when God created man's soul, and this is um, this is in uh, reading one twenty-five. Thus, I understood. I'm sorry. Yes, page one forty-one. Thus, I understood that man's soul in the middle. That I understood that man's soul is created out of nothing. That is to say, it is created but out of nothing that has been created like this. When God wished to create man's body, he took the slime of the earth, which is material mixed and gathered for all physical creatures. And out of that, he created man's body. But for the creating of man's soul, he willed to take absolutely nothing, but he created it. And that, I honestly don't know what to say about that, but, And thus is the human nature created rightfully one to the creator, who is essential nature uncreated, that is God. And therefore it is that there can and will be absolutely nothing separating God and man's soul.
0: What else about chapter 54? The all-powerful truth of the Trinity is our Father, for he created us and keeps us within him, and the deep wisdom of the Trinity is our Mother, in whom we are all enclosed. The exalted goodness of the Lord of the Trinity is our Lord, and in him we are enclosed, and he in us. We talked a little bit last time about gender, father, mother language, motherhood, fatherhood. But, Jan, you weren't with us, so, um... Before we get to that, I, um... (laughs)
2: You're chewing on something. Um, so, so so much of this has to do with the relationship between our soul and Christ's soul. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And Christ's soul, I mean, that means his humanity. Um He makes, God makes no distinction in love between the blessed soul of Christ and the least souls that shall be saved. There's, there's this, um I'm not saying it's the same as the hypostatic union between Christ's humanity and Christ's divinity, but there is this, like, fundamental union that happens between our humanity and Christ's humanity. So that this is um, truly, as I understood in our Lord's meaning, where the blessed soul of Christ is, there is the essence of all souls that shall be saved within Christ. There's this wanting like at a fundamental level of our humanity and this i think is goes back to the ground of what that like will that never can will sin um like where that comes from like this is we are we are eternally united with christ's humanity um and you 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 talked about the interior cat interior castle, Chris, and she's talking about our God, us as God's dwelling place. God dwells in our soul and our soul dwells in God. We're created to be God's dwelling place. And we are intended to dwell in God. Um this mutual, I mean, it makes me think of John 15, the vine, um, like this mutual indwelling, this mutual abiding, um, that comes out of this union with Christ's humanity, which is in turn united with divinity um it ah. Uh, Breathes new life for me into that like what is what is not assumed is not redeemed and the, the idea that like God became man so that man might become God like this is um, I think that's Tertullian but the the incarnation having this eternal impact of of making bringing this to completion this this union um with God in Christ's humanity and I think it's it's the it's Christ's humanity that that aspect that I'm really interested in that it's um Christ if Christ is the 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 ground the source of our humanity and the head of our humanity, then, then, it makes me wonder, like, was Christ, in Julian's eyes, is Christ kind of eternally incarnate, almost? Like, not in the sense that, like, he was, like, Jesus of Nazareth always was, but in the sense of, like, does, does Christ, in the, in the incarnation, draw humanity beyond the like this linear drama of salvation um, so that the sun is in some sense always participating in our humanity
1: that's what I think but
2: This might be my turn to get burned for heresy.
1: No, I but. think that, I think that's true. I mean, I think that I think that Julian, and I'm I'm not going to be able to point to part of the text, but I think that Julian sees the incarnation as being outside of linear time. And and the and the passion and the resurrection and the All of it as being outside linear time, as stretching, though, though historically, I mean, we know Josephus, et cetera. We know when it took place and we know, we know that, but theologically and meaningfully, it can't have just been, it can't just be something, some human thing that happened in time that people found out about and got excited about and remembered it 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 can't just it can't just be that christianity would be so small if that's all it were
2: yeah it's a puncture into time
1: yeah i think so I mean God's time is not our time. I mean we're we're locked into we're locked into our linear linear time and we understand it very well and but we can't we can't think that that's all that there is in reality. We can't think that that's that, that we figured, you know, that that's it. That's the end of that's the end of the story.
0: It's Athanasius by the way on the incarnation thank you i think that there's we
2: really are eternally enclosed like if if this is if the incarnation isn't just an event in time but a puncture into time like we Mm -hmm. truly are eternally enclosed in god
0: Sorry, Chris, and always have been. Yeah, which is not to say that something didn't really go wrong and right. was in need of redemption, um, as Julian says. But I don't know, so I'm I'm wondering, like, does does the the incarnation in in terms of the body, the, the the life story of the, the man named Jesus, um, is not necessarily the same thing as the incarnation from a heavenly perspective. Because um, I think the soul of Jesus is eternal and is somehow eternally affiliated. I, I, I think I, my suspicion is that for Julian – Christ somehow stands in for all of humanity in the divine realm. Mm. Like we think of humans as these individual atomic distinct people with our own names and our own driver's licenses and all that stuff. But I think one of the side effects of the humanity of Jesus or the humanity of humanity being joined together with the divinity of Jesus is that somehow humanity is a category and in a way that is separate from the rest of creation as a category. But I, I continue to feel comfortable with, with, with a hierarchical distinction of creation. I do think that humans are given a specific, um, a specific role and obligation and duty and responsibility within creation. Um, I'm not one of these people that thinks that we're just, just like every other part of creation. From our perspective, at least, we have been given a unique set of talents and gifts, but it's entirely possible that other parts of the created order have been given their own specific roles that are very important. I agree with um, Douglas Adams who had um, um, his book so long and thanks for all the fish. I think it was the mice who were responsible for running the, the big supercomputer <laughs> it was that was their job it's been a long, too long since I've read it um, that that went astray pretty quickly <laughs> um, yeah I have to look <laughs> something up that I don't so go on
2: this uh, before we close I want to make sure yeah. we touch on her words about faith Um,
1: Yeah.
2: And this Mm -hmm. is on page 144 in the orange book. Mm -hmm. And our faith is a virtue that comes from our natural essence into our fleshly soul by the Holy Spirit. And within this virtue, all our virtues come to us. For without that, no man may receive virtue. Faith is nothing else but a right understanding with true belief and certain trust of our being that we are in God and God in us which we do not see and I think right understanding here includes all the attendant like ways of being ways of living Um, this is not just a cognitive thing this is This is trust, not just belief. Um, But this movement is, seems to be the Holy Spirit making complete this connection between our essence, which is in Christ, Christ's humanity, and our fleshly soul. The, the Holy Spirit is kind of completing this connection, and that—that's faith.
0: Yeah, I think faith is is far more than just a uh, set of like intellectual assents to propositions, like truth statements on a whiteboard, and you look at them and you say, "I, I, I consent to find those to be true." You know, um, but it is, um, living, living one's life as though a whole worldview was, was factual and true, even though you don't have all the evidence needed to justify that, which lots of people do with all kinds of things, um, And that's, you know, the, some of the atheists that I know find that to be a very unsatisfying because you should find the thing for which there is the most evidence and let that be your constructed worldview that directs all of your choices. Um, but we, you know, um, we disagree on that. Uh, but so I've always seen faith as as one part intellectual ascent, like intellectual kind of mental construct. What is true? Why is there stuff? What is the the order of things? What's important? All these kind of uh, these mental scaffolding that we build our lives within. But I think it has far more to do with the the direction of our. Wills the thing that we the things that we choose to do and the reasons why we think we're doing it. Um, that if if you if your faith directs you to believe in the existence of a personal God, then you will direct part of your will to paying attention to a prayer life because you just kind of operate under the assumption that that's how you build your your side of the bridge that goes across the chasm of perceived misunderstanding um, I think
2: but that's maybe uh, what she means by within this virtue of faith we receive all virtues mm. in some sense all of all of that is enclosed in yeah this faith.
0: This virtue itself, I mean, the things that, that you value as important core principles, those all come from somewhere. Right. And some of those can be, um, perfectly reasonable within one particular system. Like if you grow up in a, in like a, you know, violent gang culture, the idea of not snitching is, a perfectly reasonable value and virtue um, in a different context that would, that would be seen as not of a, a virtue. Um, so the virtues that we have, the values that we have, the things that we do with our time, the things that we hold as important, or um, they all derive logically, naturally rationally from a kind of like a, a framework of how you think the world works. And if that framework is inaccurate, if your framework is there is no God and it's all just get as much as you can before you die, there are people with frameworks like that, um, some of them very active Christians, sadly, um, then all of the other things that will fall into place will be perfectly logical within that worldview, but will be messed up. <laughs> From my (laughs) worldview, from the perspective of where I'm sitting, which is, of course, right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) I
2: have a passage I'd like to close us with, unless there's more to be said. We are enclosed in the Father We are enclosed in the Son We are enclosed in the Holy Spirit And the Father is enclosed in us And the Son is enclosed in us And the Holy Spirit is enclosed in us All power, all wisdom, all goodness One God, one Lord
0: thank you for listening to this episode to find out more about dame julian the revelations of divine love the order of julian of norwich or us check the show notes to this episode you can reach me chris arnold the producer of this series at apple tree pods on twitter or on facebook you can find the page apple tree podcasts that's all for now we'll talk to you soon May God bless you.